You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Hey everyone and welcome to the room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. This is episode number 195, where I'll be discussing The Mandalorian Chapter 2 and Marvel Phase 4 and Phase 5. That is right, guys. You heard it right. It is just me today. I am your host for this evening, for this podcast. It's Tim, and we're talking Mandalorian and the Marvel Cinematic Universe this week. Two of my favorite topics. It has been... An absolutely manic week in everyone's lives here. I'm sitting down to the mic solo because we could just not find a time where the three of us could get together and actually record something. And for me personally, this has been probably one of the busiest and most demanding weeks of my life at work. But this here is one of my salvations, sitting down at the mic and talking nerd with you guys. It's just something that I love to do. It helps decompress me after a very, very long few days. And it just allows me to enjoy my nerd and share it with you guys and hoping that you guys share back and are talking at me while you're in the car washing the dishes, whatever. I want to hear back from you guys on some of the things I'm going to talk about today because that's right, it's The Mandalorian Chapter 2. We're going to do something similar that I did or that we did last week with Mandalorian Chapter 1. It's going to do a very short spoiler and non-spoiler discussion of The Mandalorian Chapter 2. This isn't going to be something that's regular, but because it's just me this week, because of how much I enjoyed Chapter 2, I want to make sure I get some of that discussion in anticipation of Chapter 3 being released this Friday. So tomorrow, as you're listening to this podcast, if you're listening to it on the release date, of Thursday. And we're also going to talk Marvel Phase 4 and Phase 5. Yes, we put a lot of effort into talking about Marvel Phase 4 from San Diego Comic-Con 2019 announcements all the way through D23 and the Disney Plus announcements, including that very short documentary that they threw up on Disney Plus detailing what we're going to get actually on Disney Plus here starting in the fall of 2020. But recently, just over the last few days, Disney released an absolute monstrosity of a document detailing what release dates they're going to be claiming for Marvel, Disney, Pixar, Lucasfilm, and Fox films all the way through 2023. And this includes a revelation of even more Marvel Cinematic Universe films in 22 and in through 2023. So I'm going to detail some of that just in a few minutes here, a little later on in the episode. But first, right off the top here, like we always do, I'm going to talk about my week in nerd. And first off, first and foremost, before I even kick into that, I got to give a big shout out to the Tumbling Saber crew. We were so excited about The Mandalorian last week that we forgot to wish these guys a happy 200th episode. An enormous feat in podcasting and one that we are pushing up on here. But Tumbling Saber, you guys have been doing fantastic stuff, not only publishing on the main feed, but also in your Patreon, Sith Disturbs, everything else that you guys have done. I've had the pleasure of podcasting 
on numerous occasions with the entire crew over at Tumbling Saber. And these guys are just masters at the art of podcasting, continually to pump out just top tier content, something that I plug into every single Tuesday and sometimes a little even earlier on the Patreon feed. So these guys got a great Patreon feed, a lot of exclusive content going there. So make sure you become a powerful friend and help Tumbling Saber propel them to episode 250, 300, and beyond. I know people are in there wishing you guys happy 4,000th episode when it does come, 1,000 whatever. I'm going to be there every step of the way. So big shout out to the crew over at Tumbling Saber. And so let's kick it into my week in nerd here, guys. And as you heard last week, my collecting has really diminished to nothing this week. We are saving that powder for our holiday toy hunt drive. Where are we going to be going out, saving the money from hunts over the next month or so, taking those funds and going and doing a big hunt towards Christmas, towards the holiday season here, and making sure we get some toys, some nerdy toys off to those that can't afford or are slightly less fortunate and to give them the opportunity to start their own collections, their own Star Wars and Marvel and DC collections. So I haven't really bought anything this week, but I've been spending a lot of time kicking around in the very minimal amount of free time that I've had watching Netflix and Disney+. And two things that dropped this week that I have had just an absolute blast watching. Number one, The Toys That Made Us Season 3. So this is a Netflix original. It is a fantastic show if you have any love for collecting. And they have the most broad spectrum of collecting focuses that they detail episode by episode. This season got into wrestling figures, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers, and there's one other that I cannot remember off the top of my head. But I did have a chance to check out both the wrestling figure and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles collecting episodes. Just fantastic stuff, guys. You know, I will say my one nitpick, they aren't composed as well, and there's a lot of repeat of very similar footage in the wrestling figure stuff. And I do listen to the guys over at the Major, Major Wrestling Figure Podcast. There is some history there, and so there might be a reason why they're lacking footage in that one. But again, overall, it's a fantastic compilation of the history of wrestling figures, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, on how they're produced, what they're doing right now. It's kind of cool just to get into the background of the, the evolution of the action figure in these different spaces. It's an absolute must-watch as a collector, going back all the way to Season 1 where we got Star Wars. The one thing they have not done yet, and I'm looking forward to, is Marvel and Marvel Legends. That's a big one that I want to see in Season 4. But so far, big recommend from me here. Go check out the toys that made us. And the other documentary style of episodic TV that I've been watching is the Imagineer story on Disney+. Now, I did not really realize that this was actually a show, something that's going to be coming out week by week. And it's really detailing the Imagineer as Walt Disney defined them, the people that are going in and basically constructing the parks in Walt Disney World. And the first episode is really concentrated on the creation of Disneyland in California. Second episode goes to Epcot and Disneyland Tokyo. Just expertly put together. I'm enthralled with what they're doing here. They're about an hour long. There's a ton of depth and detail in this. And it gives you some really great insight into what they were doing and how innovative they were being with this and still how they're using Walt Disney's influence and the creativity behind 
what they've put in the parks and still some of the stuff that we are still seeing today, some rides that were still going on that were invented and put together in the, in the 60s and 70s. It's absolutely insane what they've been able to put together and maintain throughout the years and how just in front of technology, they had touchscreens and Epcot's in 1970s like it's, it's absolutely wild so if you guys got disney plus and you have any love for disney parks i'm i'm a huge fan i've been going down from almost my entire life i was fortunate enough to be close living out on the east coast when i grew up to walt disney world which is built quite a bit later on and i've had the opportunity to go to disneyland paris or i guess euro disney as it's now called i've been to disneyland in california california adventure so i've been all over the place with the exception of the Asian Disney parks. So I have a really great experience. I've had had a really great experience going there. And I do have a great feeling for what they're talking about in here. But even if you've never been to a park before, it's fascinating to watch these through and just get a real image as to the work, the effort, the people, the time, the creativity, and like I said, the innovation that went into creating these parks. So yeah, this is another big, big recommend for me. And that really Kind of wraps up my weekend, nerd guys. It's been really focused on consuming these documentary style of TV, these episodes on both Netflix and Disney Plus. And realistically, Disney Plus has been consuming a lot of my family's time over the last week. Not only have we been watching these new originals, but we've been going back and watching Pixar movies, old Disney animated movies. My kids have been absolutely loving it. And it appears that a lot of you out there, those that have access to it, are loving it too. As reported here in Forbes, Disney Plus has already surpassed 10 million signups since it launched. That is absolutely insane, guys. Like it's it's to a point now where yeah, it's not competing directly with Netflix, but it's starting to really gain that momentum for some perspective. Hulu has about 28 million subscribers and Netflix has about 60 million domestic subscribers and 97 million international subscribers as of about Q3 2019. So that puts you into perspective of how much Disney Plus has to grow over the next five years to remain or to at least chew into a bit of Netflix. So when we're talking about streaming wars here about Disney Plus being the Netflix killer, it's got a long way to go, guys, before it starts to chew in that. And what I would really promote is us just embracing both, because my wife and I have been having this debate back and forth whether or not we actually axe our cable. You know, between Netflix, Disney Plus, and we do have access now to, well, I guess not Hulu here in Canada, but Amazon Prime. We're looking at maybe HBO Max. We've got some of the stuff with TELUS. There's a lot of availability of, of TV and of really high-end TV on these streaming services. And even through our local cable provider, we are able to access on demand most of the shows that we watch. So we're finding a less and less need for cable because of streaming service. This is direct-to-consumer stuff, and it's actually likely going to kill TV at some point here in its traditional form. I think we're always going to be visiting the television in the sense of watching these episodic TV shows, but it's going to be in a very different fashion without commercials, really. You know, paying that subscription fee to get this direct feed into the house, we're watching everything from Disney to this Netflix to all this original content. Look, Disney's putting $15 billion a year into content. Disney is going to be putting an enormous amount of money into content, original content. So 
I think we are in a space here, guys, where streaming is at the cusp of really starting to change not only the game, but change how we consume literally everything with Disney Plus on our doorsteps now here in the US and in Canada. I think that this is really the beginning of the end. You know, the streaming service has been present and we've been kind of looking at this and predicting this and kind of as a global community predicting the end of TV and its in its capacity. But I think this is the first time I've actually felt like this was the beginning of the end for TV. It was coming. We all knew it was coming, but this is the, the, actually one of the, the real times that my wife and I have seriously debated the need for a cable. So it's pretty crazy to watch this develop because I don't think we've had our cable on since really Disney Plus debuted. And we've been bouncing back and forth between all the streaming services that we have access to. And of course, you know, we're always going to have Amazon Prime because we like the free shipping. I like getting figures or whatever. Free shipping if I can't find them on the pegs. So yeah, let me guys let... So guys, let me know what you're feeling about streaming. It's it's interesting to watch this space evolve and how in the last few years we've watched this real transition from the home video to digital and moving away from the physical copy. And now we're seeing even more so a transition to the digital era of consumption of content into the streaming service. So I'd love to hear what you guys are doing. You know, are you accessing that cable? Or are you just streaming service? Hit me up and let me know if there's a if there's a benefit to just sticking with the streaming service. Now, let's jump over to the big screen, away from the streaming service for a few minutes here before we jump back into the Mandalorian chapter two. And we gotta talk about the MCU here. You guys all know I love the MCU. This is a big passion of mine. And I'm super excited for what got announced here. But there's one small thing that's in the back of my head is how much is too much of the MCU? For me, it's never going to be too much. I'm going to want to consume this as much as they can give us. And it, it takes such a different space to me than Star Wars because Star Wars, I like those event style, that slow burn, what we're seeing in The Mandalorian. Marvel, give it to me as fast as I can consume it. 2020, you guys, we've talked about this a lot. We already know what's coming. Black Widow on May 1st. The Eternals on November 6th. This is going to be the slowest year in the MCU for the foreseeable future. We do get a few of the streaming services in here with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So technically, we had three properties dropping in 2020, but a relatively slow year if you compare it to 19 and to what we're going to get in 2021. As we discussed before, we get to Shang-Chi, Doctor Strange, that new Spider-Man 3 installment, MCU installment in July. And then, of course, Thor, Love and Thunder, the one that everyone's looking forward to in November of next year. So we are less than a year away from that film. Now in 2022 at D23 in the summer there, they announced Black Panther sequel, Black Panther 2 hitting theaters on May 6, 2022. We also had two other dates, mystery dates, February 18th and July 29th. They did not have films to them. And this past week, Disney released what appears to be the remainder of at least phase four and five so we got another date in 2022 that puts us up to four films in 2022 and then another four films in 2023 so guys if you remember back a few years ago we were getting two films a year from marvel studios then they bumped it up to three that felt like it was getting you know a bit crowded and now from 2021 2022 and 2023 we have four mcu films a year on top of the Disney Plus content that is coming out. And what we know so far, 
We've got four different releases coming in 2021 on Disney+, Plus, including WandaVision, Loki, What If, and Hawkeye. And the following year, presumably, we're going to get She-Hulk, Miss Marvel, and Moon Knight, and potentially a season two of something that we saw in 2020, maybe Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So 2021 and Go Forward is going to be extremely dense and busy in the MCU. It's going to be very difficult as an audience to keep up with what is going on. I am up for the challenge and I'm looking forward to it, but let's speculate a bit here, guys, on what could be coming. We know Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Captain Marvel 2, and Ant-Man 3 have all been announced in some rough capacity. Kevin Feige in his presentations has made spurious references to those films and them being in development. We talked a few weeks ago, if not only last week, about Ant-Man 3, Peyton Reed returning to the director's chair to follow up both Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp. What we've also had announced is that Blade film, Marshala Ali taking on that lead role of the title character of Blade and, of course, we have to have an Avengers film in here, guys. I was predicting this is coming in 2022. Probably not now, but maybe into 2023. Something along the lines of a new Avengers film. We got to have that crossover, guys. You know how much we all love a good Avengers crossover. Coming off the biggest film of all time. I need to see what the next step is for the new Avengers. So I'm predicting that to be likely in that May 5th, 2023 slot as we've got Black Panther 2 hitting that May 6th slot in 2022. We know we've always seen the big Avengers films reserved for that May slot. That seems to be their sweet spot, their Goldilocks zone for release. So that's my prediction for there. But we've also got to find space for potentially Fantastic Four. I... I just have a real inkling that this is coming. Maybe they're saving some of that powder for SDCC 2020 or D23 next year once they kind of iron this out. But I got a feeling, guys, that this film is coming. Look, when you look at the action figures they're dropping, they're dropping another Fantastic Four wave. I got to think that this is just starting to prime, get people excited. This is the first time we're seeing Fantastic Four really celebrating the spotlight. We've even got a Wolverine figure when we're talking about X-Men and the potential for an X-Men film in 2023. A Wolverine figure sitting in a Disney store. How wild is that? So they have these somewhat animation-style figures. I can't remember what they're called. They are Disney-branded, Disney store-branded. They've got Star Wars, Marvel, and now a Wolverine, an old man Logan-esque or a cowboy Logan-esque figure sitting in the Disney store for the first time. That tells me they're starting to prime audiences for X-Men debuting in some capacity in the MCU. Yes, we've got all the X-Men stuff, I believe, over on Disney+. Plus. So yeah, we're seeing that rolled out underneath the Disney banner. But I really got to think, guys, that they've got to build up some of these franchises as we're ending Thor franchise, presumably with number four. Guardians of the Galaxy come to a close here. Ant-Man coming to close. They've got to really start to build some of these franchises up. And yes, we're getting Shang-Chi. We are getting another installment in Doctor Strange, The Eternals. But We've got to establish another base here, guys. And if they're going to form a real solid foundation around characters, Fantastic Four and X-Men are some of those pillar characters that haven't been used in the MCU. You know, we've really lost to some capacity the use of characters like Captain America, Iron Man. Even Hulk doesn't really have a presence 
in any of these films. I'm sure they'll find a way to work him in, but there's no obvious space for Hulk even making an appearance outside of maybe She-Hulk in the Marvel Cinematic Universe through Phase 4 and 5. Maybe we wouldn't have predicted that he would have fallen in such a, a big way into Thor Ragnarok, and I'm looking for that surprise. But those original Avengers, you know, even Black Widow finding this prequel, but maybe not seeing her again. Hawkeye's presence in the MCU is is on a, on, on the edge there because of uh, Jamer, Jeremy Renner's antics. So it's going to be interesting to see how they reestablish the core foundation of the Avengers of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes, we've got Captain Marvel and all that. But I'm looking forward to seeing what's next year's guys. So what's your thoughts? Is this too much MCU for you? Is this overload getting four films a year plus on average two to four Disney plus shows per year on top of that? So that's almost something coming out every single month in 2021 for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, how much is too much? Maybe this is why they're staying away from books and staying away from comics, you know, building out that cinematic universe in different media that we've seen Star Wars and Lucasfilm really take advantage of. Maybe that's why they stayed away from it. But how much is too much, guys? Let me know. Hit me up on Twitter. Let me know how much is too much. All right, as we're flying through this podcast, we're going to take a quick pit stop over at the Rise of Skywalker. Yesterday, I'm recording here on Wednesday, but yesterday was one month until we finally get to see the Rise of Skywalker, the final installment in the Skywalker saga. And with that came the release of the first TV teaser. I did not watch it. I'm not going to watch it. I'm done. I watched the trailers. I never usually watch the TV spots, but Dang, am I hyped for this film? I'm hyped for Star Wars in general. The Mandalorian is really bridging that gap for me. But this film, you know, I've saw some of the character posters and the, I believe there's Adobe Digital poster that they dropped. Gorgeous stuff. The marketing for this, to me, on point. I'm seeing everything I want to see. The Black Seas are hitting the shelves. I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do after the collecting hiatus ends. But I don't know, man. Like, I, I just can't get enough of the hype for Star Wars right now and how I feel that this this healing of fandom through not only the Rise of Skywalker build, but the Mandalorian, I just get, I'm almost at a fever pitch with everything here. And I, I don't know if the Rise of Skywalker has found itself a little lost in the fever of the Mandalorian, but nonetheless, I, I feel that we're in this great space where we're getting just fantastic content coming out of Lucasfilm right now with The Mandalorian and then The Rise of Skywalker in just one month, guys, until we sit down in those seats, get the big crew coming with me, and just consume that film, smile, enjoy, cry, and laugh. I I know there's going to be tears shed in this one, and it's really the ending of an era, but it's great to see as we're driving towards the ending of one era, we're really picking up with something new, a new era in Star Wars, I'm going to call it here, and that's with The Mandalorian. So Chapter 2 did debut last Friday, a couple days after the launch of Disney Plus on the Tuesday, where we had Mandalorian Chapter 1. And guys, we reviewed that both spoiler-free and spoiler review of The Mandalorian Chapter 1. Myself and Troy did break that down on last week's episode, so go check that out if you have not gotten there yet. And we do tag it with major spoiler warnings because we are very cognizant and aware that this hasn't been rolled out globally. And we understand and feel your pain 
and sympathize with that. And so we're doing our best to try to keep the episode still full of great content and to not just hone in specifically on The Mandalorian. We don't want you guys zipping off and kind of taking a break for a month because all we're talking about is The Mandalorian. There's still a ton of stuff in Nerd that I'm not going to get to this week. You know, Joker passed a billion, guys. There's all sorts of release the Snyder Cut news out there that we're going to jump into next week with either Carlos or Sanjay or Troy or someone at the table here with me. But this episode, the end of this episode, is really going to be about The Mandalorian Chapter 2. Now, I'm going to do a spoiler-free discussion here, and I will tag the spoilers in the episode here so you guys know when to shut this episode off. And it's going to be a shorter episode this week, guys. But let's get into the spoiler-free discussion of Mandalorian Chapter 2. Now, if you go back to our review of it last week, I believe at the top we talked about, you know, the pacing is is a little little kind of shaky at the start here. But this one here, it takes its time. It doesn't rush a whole bunch, and the pacing I found is a little better in Chapter 2. It really uses the TV formatting nicely to tell a holistic story. I didn't know what this episodic sort of storytelling was going to look like in a Star Wars universe where we have a tendency to do a whole bunch of world building, and then we kind of or could potentially lose focus on the main story. They do a great job here with the pacing. I think it's a lot better in this episode. It's a lot more focused in this episode. Episode 1 or Chapter 1, it's a lot of real big world building, guys. And I think this one takes its time to really settle in to the pace that I think we're going to see throughout the remainder of the season. The CGI in here, to me, is a bit more on point than we even saw in Chapter 1. It continues to make those very organic Star Wars references and integrates the universe beautifully. It never, ever feels forced, which I can really, really appreciate. There's a big part of me, guys, that enjoyed Chapter 2 much more than Chapter 1. There's a few things in Chapter 1 that were mind-blowing, but Chapter 2 really finds its stride, and I'm really enjoying this. And I'm really enjoying the weekly drops. I didn't know how it would feel, because we're used to that binge mode, just how we're taught to watch TV now from Netflix. But this episodic drop, this weekly drop, has given me time to revisit multiple times the same episode, which is something I never did with Netflix. I would blast through 10 13 episodes, whatever it was, and never really go back. I really enjoyed a lot of the early Marvel stuff, the Daredevil and Punisher stuff. I've seen every episode once. The Mandalorian, I've seen the first chapter three times, and I've seen chapter two twice here. So I'm liking what Disney's doing. They're making me crave more and more, and they're keeping me plugged in with at least these first two episodes. And we've got a few episodes to go, so I'm already worried about what's next, but we do know Jon Favreau is out there. Filming season two already, and I'm already looking forward to it. So yeah, chapter two, big, big recommend for me. And guys, this is one I have to say farewell to those that have not seen The Mandalorian as of yet. So I'm going to put that big spoiler tag on the episode. I'm going to be talking in some detail. I'm not going to really extend this out too long, but in some detail about The Mandalorian. And I'm going to be free with the spoilers. So guys, it's your last opportunity. Say goodbye. Hope you come back next week. We'll have the other dudes at the table. And we're going to be talking all things Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. But from this point on, spoiler territory from Mandalorian Chapter 2. All right, guys. Like I was saying in the spoiler-free section, 
this has this episode or this chapter really tells a more singular story. The first episode, I'm not going to say or use the word suffers from the much needed world building it needed to do. I mentioned last week it had like three tiers of story that it did see the wider galaxy story with the involvement of the Imperials, involvement of what's going on in the galaxy post Return of the Jedi. Then we get the Mandalorian arc that's kind of seated in there. And then we get the Mando's actual arc that they really build off of. And this one just focuses more singular on that Mandalorian arc and, and really growing with him. You know, one thing that I su- was surprising me about chapter two is that we just didn't roll up to the ship and blast off to our next adventure. It really took the time to build on the momentum that they had at the end of chapter one with that big revelation of the Yoda like baby that the Mandalorian comes across as one of his bounties or one of the things that he is chasing. Now, the use of this young Yoda species for this almost emotional agent within the show and with Mando, to me, this is very effective, extremely effective. You see him walking back and forth, picking up the little baby, not really watching or comprehending what he's doing or what's going on. It looks at some points like he's trying to help him heal. And I like this way better than it being a more human baby. This is my fear, and I expressed this last week, that we're going to get in the scenario where we have a kid or a human baby that really, to me, in different TV shows and films, weighs it down. I understand that they're looking to make a connection to the younger audiences so the younger audiences can see themselves in the film in some representation, but I've always struggled with that because I find it it really limits what the character can do. And from what we've seen here, the Mandalorian's a pretty relentless guy. So you got a human face, a human young child face watching that happen. It limits what the Mandalorian can actually do, but you have an alien species that is 50 years old. Yes, maybe still a baby. They don't seem to be holding much back there. It's like that kind of cannon fodder faceless army that it's okay if you see these guys get blown up as we do see the Jawas, but because it's this Yoda-like baby, I find that they are taking a bit more liberties with what they're able to get away with in each individual scene and action set piece that they're putting together here. So I'm really enjoying that piece of the arc. Now let's talk about the action in this episode. There's a ton in the first episode, and this one saw one of my favorite Star Wars chase sequences of all time. Look, we got Sandcrawler. We're looking to the interior of it. We've got a ton of Jabba's here. It's the first time we've spent any real time with the Jabba's. The Jawas, not Jabba's. The Jawas since episode four. And I love this. So when I talked about organic references and organic pieces used from the original trilogy and embedded into the Mandalorian, this is it. This felt just beautifully executed. It was fun, fast-paced. I didn't know what was going on. Real effective use of the Jawas opening the doors. It was just absolutely fantastic. Like I said, the Mandalorian is relentless, just disintegrating some of these guys. And then we get this like inside look into the Sandcrawler. Big shout out to our dudes, the Sandcrawler podcast. You got to be loving this. Finally seeing the insides of this on film in a big way and getting some insight into the lifestyle of the Jawa. You know, they got this great rooftop patio on that Sandcrawler when they're parked there. Oh, I, I just absolutely... Love this. Ate this up. And like I said, the the action set piece there was just fantastically paced. It didn't feel too extended, too long. It was just right. Always had this question, like, what's the the Yoda thing doing? The baby Yoda, not baby Yoda. I know people don't like that. 
the Yoda, baby Yoda species, whatever you want to call it. If someone knows the species, let me know. But anyways, that thing floating behind and him kind of getting his ass kicked. I like that they're not making the Mandalorian completely invincible. He is a man. He is a Mandalorian. Yes, he is an expert in his art. He even says in this episode that weapons are his religion or part of his religion. But he's by no means someone that can just do whatever he wants. He's not someone that has this untethered power set or ability to use weapons in any capacity to really achieve his goal. He gets his ass handed to him by this giant furry rhino, which is a also looks fantastic cgi is cinematic i loved this scene not only did it show his some of his vulnerabilities but also showed how cunning he is as a warrior and smart but one thing we have to talk about in this particular scene is the use of the force i thought from the get-go with the name and what they're trying to separate themselves from in some capacity you know tell a story without the force was where i thought they were going and they used the Force in a big way here in Chapter 2. They did not wait. They did not linger on the fact, is this little baby thing Force-sensitive? They really dug deep into this. You know, they're teasing it at the start. They're really pulling on those threads. And I thought they were just going to use that and pull on that for a couple episodes maybe. But no, they got right into it with this young child using an incredible amount of Force power. So much so that it physically exhausts him. And the use of the force, I, I was jaw dropped that they went there with this. And I'm not sure where they're going to go with it. This is one point that I, I just, again, this comes down to, I guess, the fact that the show continues to surprise me in almost every capacity. I have no idea what they're doing with the force here. I don't know if this young child is going to be with the Mandalorian throughout the entirety of the eight episodes, I believe. And where we're going to go to after that, like the problem, not so much the problem, but I guess with the storytelling, I don't know what they do with this character. They've established that he is very powerful in the force at a young age. They've established the fact that the force is something that exists post return of the Jedi outside of the sphere of individuals that we're very familiar with, like your Luke Skywalker. And then eventually your Ben solo and Leia and all that. So we have this, extraordinary figure very force sensitive how does that factor into everything that's even going on in the sequel trilogy so they got a lot of story to tell here and i'm very very excited about it i'm very very shocked that they went there this early this seems like something that you'd really tease through seven episodes and then maybe episode eight boom there he uses the force but we're on chapter two guys and we've already got this on top of all the teases that we got in chapter one. So Favreau, Filoni, and company are setting us up for some major storytelling and very long form storytelling. You know, Filoni is an expert at this and we've seen what Favreau can do with that long form MCU sort of mindset. So this excites me, guys. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how they're going to use this, but I freaking love it all. And I, I didn't actually, to be honest with you, I don't know how the rest of fandom feels about the use of force so early or even at all in the Mandalorian. So I'd love to hear what you guys think about the use of force. Again, no spoilers on Twitter. I'm not going to respond to you guys in any real capacity if you're spoiling on Twitter. DMs or whatever, emails, that is appropriate setting to discuss some of this stuff. Or just give me a wink. 
on Twitter or whatever. I don't want to spoil this for some of our UK listeners and listeners that are outside of really North America here. I want some of this stuff to be kept a surprise. I've got a few guys that we have on Instagram that have showed me a few things. Even the Star Wars Twitter account is tweeting spoilers for The Mandalorian, which blows my brain. And I'm really sorry that I'm seeing that stuff. But yeah, let's try to keep the spoilers to minimum and keep the talk kind of concentrated in a smaller group. But all in all, guys, yeah, I absolutely love this this episode. Nick Nolte's character continues to be an incredible presence on the screen. I'm glad we got more of him in this episode, and I want to see more of this character in the rest of The Mandalorian here and into the future. I have spoken has become one of my favorite lines in this show. I have spoken. It's All of this is great. Chapter 2, guys, was an absolute freaking blast. I am hooked on The Mandalorian. The first episode did what it needed to do, and the second episode really brought it home for me, started telling that personalized story, and it also looks and sounds fantastic. I paid a lot more attention to the score on this one. To me, it worked a lot better here. It didn't have, it did have, sorry, some weak spots, I believe, in episode one, but man, did it ever roll out for me here. Visually, this one is even more on point than episode one. They had a lot to do in episode one. This was, yes, a much more concentrated episode. They weren't going and visiting different planets and major landscape or set changes. So they're able to put a lot of that powder, that that money, if you're dividing it up per episode, into the CGI here, and it really, really shows. So I'm looking forward to some of these more concentrated episodes where they can tell a very defined story or at least continue a very defined story and put a lot of money into the cinematic experience of The Mandalorian because that's what we really got here, guys, was a fantastic cinematic experience and me wanting and craving more. So, guys, let me know how you're feeling about The Mandalorian. Spoiler free online. Did you dig Chapter 2 as much as I dug it? Or are you feeling a little bit like you're not understanding what's going on here in The Mandalorian? So make sure to hit me up on Twitter or email us at thenerdrim at gmail.com. All three of our handles are at the end of the episode. You can always use the hashtag WeTheNerd, StayNerd, or Twitter Gang to get a hold of us, as well as the rest of the crew that does like pitching in on opinions of various things in Star Wars Marvel and DC. You can head over to Instagram as well, guys. That's going to change a little bit for at least the next couple of weeks as the hunt has subsided in lieu of our holiday hunt. I'm going to be posting some images of the nerd room and of my collection that I haven't posted in quite some time or ever really on Twitter. So I'm going to provide over the next month some insight into what I have in my collection and not what I'm building or putting into my collection currently. So I'm going to have a little bit of fun with that. So check that out over on Instagram at the NerdRM. And you can find everything that we do over at the nerdroom.net as well as starscommonwealth.com where you can find us and the other Stars Commonwealth podcast where they're going to be breaking down the Mandalorian as well as getting revved up and anticipated for the rise of Skywalker. And last but not least, we'd like to give a big shout out to our man Rob Wade who endorses this podcast over to emotionally14.com. You can find him and everything that he does over there at emotionally14.com. And guys, until next week, you know, I really hope you enjoyed this solo cast, but hopefully the guys will be back at the table. So we'll be seeing you then for the Nerd Room. I'm Tim. Thank you guys very much for entering the Nerd Room this week and putting up with the solo cast. And we will talk to you guys next week.
This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, and Sanjay on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, and Sanjabi. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you plug in. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find more podcasts from Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Tumbling Saber, Generation X-Wing, Road Squadron Podcast, San Diego Saber's Radio Podcast, Retro Inc., and the Sandcrawler Podcast. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SW Commonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.